This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, a daily rundown of all things Vice. It's Friday, March 23rd. I'm Chris Hurdy. Today we're exploring a potential new way to treat phobias, and the patient doesn't even know they're being treated. But first, the headlines. According to a video confession, Austin bombing suspect Mark Anthony Condit would have continued his murderous spree had police not tracked him down. Condit, who was 23 years old, died on Wednesday after he set off an explosive in his car just north of Austin, as SWAT team members closed in. For almost three weeks, he terrorized the residents of Austin with a series of parcel bombs that killed two and injured seven more. President Trump's lead lawyer in the special counsel's investigation of his campaign's ties to Russia is quitting. The attorney, John Dowd, joined the president's legal team in June 2017. Dowd and Trump have frequently disagreed, most significantly about whether Trump should agree to an in-person interview with special counsel Robert Mueller. And on Sunday night, Sacramento police fatally shot a 22-year-old unarmed black man named Stefan Clark in his own backyard. Several minutes after the fatal shooting, the police muted their body cameras. The officers, however, kept talking to each other and other bystanders for at least two minutes. Initially, police thought the man had a gun. Then the department said he had a quote-unquote toolbar, but he was only carrying a cell phone. And now, here's the news you won't get anywhere else. Exposure therapy can be a highly effective way to treat certain kinds of anxiety, specific phobias, and PTSD. It puts you face-to-face with the very objects or situations that you fear most in the world, over and over, until they become less scary. But as you can imagine, this therapy is also incredibly difficult. Because of this, scientists are now studying ways to reduce a person's phobia without them even knowing it. Here's Vice's Ankita Rao speaking with tonic writer Shayla Love on the story. So what are you scared about? So I have obsessive-compulsive disorder, um, and what that means is that I have pretty specific phobias that I obsess about a lot. And these have haunted me since I was a little kid. And if you know anything about OCD, you've heard of them before. One of them is contamination. Um, So that's my main one. And that specifically impacts me day to day in things like food poisoning and vomit are my two specific phobias. The fear here is that you'll get food poisoning from something you're eating Is there like a behavior around this of trying to avoid it? Uh, Yeah, definitely. Um, We could probably talk for like three hours about all the avoidance behaviors, but the way that it mostly impacts me day to day is um, in things like communal fridges at the office or needing to wash my hands before I eat food or wondering if I'm eating food at a restaurant, if it was like refrigerated properly, cooked properly, things like that. Most of the time I have it under control, and that's because I've been in therapy for years and years about it, uh, just talk therapy. But sometimes it can get worse, so the vomit fear can start to act up, and then I get triggered by things like seeing a splatter of water on the ground or orange juice for some reason is a trigger of mine because just the color and the smell kind of like brings me there. So when I don't have a total handle on the phobias, these little innocuous things that you're around all the time can start to trigger me and that that's when it becomes an issue. You started working on some of this with therapists and specifically used exposure therapy. When did you start that? 
Yeah, so I did exposure therapy at the beginning of last year of 2017. And that was because regular talk therapy, I had kind of stopped because I was traveling for work and my phobias had grown in the time that I was away. So I wanted to try exposure therapy as a way to more quickly address the fears that I was feeling. So exposure therapy means that you don't really talk about your feelings, which is what regular talk therapy does, but you expose yourself to your fears. It's exactly what it sounds like. And you do it in a safe setting and you gradually build your way up to facing what you're really scared of. But it's a pretty dramatic and scary thing to do. What kind of stuff did they have you do? So we started with some of the little triggers that were bugging me. So pictures of splatters or pictures of orange juice or even just words, like looking at on a Microsoft Word document, the words throw up or vomit. And I would just look at them with a therapist sitting next to me for like 10 minutes at a time. And the first two minutes would be really terrible. I would usually want to look away or, you know, do some kind of behavior that would make me feel better. But because the therapist is sitting next to you, he kind of prevents you from doing that. So you're just forced to literally sit there and face your fears right in front of you. I mean, all of us have specific, sometimes irrational seeming fears. And the thought of sitting with them seems exhausting and terrifying. What was that like? It almost seems like a whole different level of stress. It was. Um, I don't want to like diss my therapist or the or the program that I was in because it was very excellent, but it was like torture. And that's kind of the point of it is you have to get your body through that initial fear and panic to teach it that nothing bad will happen at the end of that road. But you still have to walk down the road to get to that point. And it's really tough. And most people drop out of exposure therapy. And I am one of them. I was able to handle those beginning exposures. But as they escalated, I was not capable of finishing it. And I think that a lot of people have had that experience if they try it. Is that a critique of exposure therapy, that it's almost too hard? It's not so much a critique as like just like a shitty fact about it is that we don't have another way to do it and it's so effective if you can get through it but it's just so so hard by the nature of what it is so the exposures that I was able to complete I was able to alleviate my fears to those things but then once they escalated like I said and they wanted me to do things like eat food off the ground, eat food without washing my hands, spin around in a chair until I was nauseous and felt like I was going to throw up. I just put my foot down. Like, it was too scary to do those things or even consider doing them. I just couldn't do them at all. Then you found these researchers who are kind of looking at a solution, maybe a solution to this, which is to do exposure therapy, but without telling the person that they're doing exposure therapy. Yeah, yeah. How does that work? I know it sounds like a lovely fantasy. Um, and th this study is really cool. It's definitely just a proof of concept study at this point. But the idea is that you could expose people or have them expose themselves to their own fear and reward them for it without them even knowing so that the next time they encountered it in real life, it would be easier. So the way that they did it is they used a method called hyperalignment scanning, which uses 
brain imaging to predict when somebody is thinking about something. So every time we think about something visual, a specific pattern shows up in your brain. And so what they did is they took people who were not phobic to snakes, is what they used in the study, and they had them look at all these images, including snakes, to see exactly what the pattern of the brain activity would look like when they were thinking about snakes in relation to other objects and in snakes themselves. Then in people who were scared of snakes, they put them in an fMRI and they put a circle in front of them. And they said, think about whatever you want, but try to make the circle bigger and we'll give you money. So you can imagine this was really confusing for the people doing it. So they just thought about anything. And later they said they thought about random things like what they ate for lunch that day, childhood memories, et cetera, et cetera. But the closer their brain activity got to the brain activity that it would be when they thought of a snake, the bigger the circle got. So they never actually thought of snakes, but they were able to get close enough without realizing it that the next time they saw a snake, they didn't have as big of a reaction to it. So it's kind of like they had an exposure or habituation without actually consciously perceiving it. That's amazing. So these researchers at UCLA almost preempt people's fear and train the brain to sort of work around it? Kind of. So it could be just that the brain is more used to that pattern of activity now. And not only is it used to it, it pairs it with a reward. So a big part of phobias is the physical component to it. So something to note is that they measured people's physiological reactions before and after and saw that they went down. And the response in their amygdala, which is the fear part of the brain, went down. But they didn't actually ask the people, are you less afraid? So this is just purely the physiological effect. So you can imagine that that still might be helpful. If you see something that you're scared of and your heart starts racing and your palms start sweating and you start to lose your breath, if all those things went away and you just dealt with the cognitive aspect of it, it would be a lot easier to manage. So that's what they're showing so far. Um, they're now going to bring it into clinical trials to see if it's a full picture and see if the cognitive effects go down too or if it's just the physiological, which could still be helpful. And are these specifically techniques used for phobias or does it also apply to something like PTSD or fear that people have from certain types of trauma? Yeah, so that's another thing that they're going to look into. So with something like snakes, that's a really specific visual object. So it seems perhaps easier to get the pattern of brain activity locked in. I mean, I think about myself. Contamination is a more abstract fear. How do you really capture that in a single brain activity? So one of the big next steps that they're going to do in their clinical trial is to see if they can use this for more abstract concepts like PTSD, where noise might be a fear factor or things just like violence or war might be something that triggers people. So it's possible that the brain activity could still work in that way, but we won't know until the clinical trial is complete. Does this make you feel hopeful? Because obviously you've had a really difficult time and then also, as you said, dropped out of therapy. Do you feel like something like this would help you? So something to say is that this definitely isn't a really accessible treatment option because not only do you need access to an fMRI machine, you need access to 50 people who will act as your surrogate brains, <laughs> which which is pretty complicated. Um, so it's not something that I anticipate like being able to access for me personally. But I think that understanding how fear alleviation works in the brain and that 
it doesn't necessarily need to be conscious is a huge discovery in and of itself. And just that kind of basic science element to it can help us in the future develop better ways of doing exposure therapy, even if they're partially conscious or just a little bit conscious, something like that. Now we know that's not necessary to it, which could help a lot of people. To read Shayla's full article, go to tonic.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. And tune in again Monday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.